Good morning. How's everyone doing? So good to be in church together. Man, we're in this What's Next series. What's next? We're in week three, and all series long, we're talking about what's next in our relationship with the Lord. God, what do you have next for me individually? God, what's your purpose for my life? We're also talking a little bit collectively about, God, what's your purpose for us collectively? God, what's your um, will for us as a church here at Alive? We're really excited. Um, the last Sunday of the month of October, so not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, within this What's Next series, we're going to have a special Vision Sunday just to talk about the vision that God has for this upcoming year as a church community. And man, so excited for to share some things that are bubbling in our heart about ministry and impact and outreach that we have in this upcoming season together as a church. But if this is your first week in this series, whether you're joining online or in person, I just want to recap real quick. We're talking about what's next. Week one, Pastor Eric talked about growth. Growth is for sure one thing that's next for all of us. God calls all of us to grow individually. He calls us all to grow collectively as a church. We took a look in Luke 2.52. It says, and Jesus grew. Jesus grew in wisdom. He grew in stature, and he grew in favor with God and man. If Jesus, God in the flesh, grew when he was on earth, we're called to grow as well. We talked about some different ways that we're providing um, for growth in this new season. We talked about <clears throat> growth track that just recently launched. We talked about Sunday nights of prayer and worship to grow in our relationship with the Lord. And then we talked about um, the new launch of leadership lean-ins to grow in wisdom, to grow in favor with God and man. And those happen on the third Sunday of every month, month which actually is today. So we're so excited tonight. We have our first leadership lean-in, which is going to be really awesome. <clears throat> the leadership lean-ins from uh, 6 to 7, and then we'll have before that at 5.30 free dinner just to say, hey, make it easy. We've been at church in the morning, come back for dinner and mingling, and then a, a leadership lean-in, child care during the gathering. <clears throat> um, but we're also excited. Tonight's our first, before that, our step three of growth track, which we just really unveiled a couple weeks ago, but we have some individuals who have already gone through it online who are joining us tonight for step three of growth track, which is so very exciting. So lots of ways to grow. And then last week we talked about why do we exist? We talked about purpose. Like here we are in 2022 in Livingston County. God, why are we here? And we talked about how one of Eric and I's mentors, Pastor Chris Hodges, says um, the two most important days of your life is the day that you were born and the day that you find out the reason that you were born. We took a look at Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. Um, it's, a, it's a prayer, it's a, it's a scriptural prayer for purpose. And it says, and I ask, I ask God, our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally. It's a prayer we can pray for ourselves. God, make me intelligent. God, make me discerning in knowing you personally. Lord, help our, the eyes, our eyes be focused and clear. Other translations say the eyes of our heart. Help the eyes of our heart be focused and clear so that we can see exactly what you're calling us to do. God, that we would know exactly what you're calling us to do. goes on to define that, to grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life that you have for your followers, us. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work, of your work, God, in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. That last phrase, it says, utter extravagance of his work in us, who trust him. Today we're going to camp out a little bit on the element of trust when it comes to following God's purpose for our life. 
Last week, we talked about how our primary purpose, why do we exist? All of us collectively as Christians have a similar general mission statement. We exist to be loved by God and to know him personally. This is eternal life that we would know him. We talked about that a lot last week, right? To know God personally, to have relationship, personal, intimate relationship with our creator, which is amazing. And from that place of knowing God is where we find maybe the specifics of how he has called us to make him known to other people. We're called to know God and to help make him known, to make disciples, to preach the gospel, to be co-laborers with Christ. That's the general mission statement for every believer, but then it fleshes out in specific, unique ways for all of us, depending on the different roles and responsibilities and seasons that God has us in, right? And that's why we need to pray that, that prayer. We just prayed in Ephesians, Lord, give me clarity, give me eyes focused and clear to see what does that mean for me? What does that look like in my world, in my context? We talked about maybe even starting to have a personal mission statement. Like what would it look like to ask the Lord to fill in the blank of the statement, I exist to fill in the blank. Super important question. Super holy moment to answer that question. The reason that we exist, there's a reason that we're here. So last week we talked about discerning and fulfilling our purpose and how it's a lifelong journey. And there's different seasons and different roles that come along the way. And today we're going to continue that conversation and just take a look at a dimension of this that involves trusting God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. We see this connection between trusting God and him directing our paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and your own, or your own ideas, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path clear. He will give you clear eyes to see exactly what he's calling you to do, right? So locating purpose and calling is one thing, but then trusting God with it is like the other half of the pie oftentimes. Because maybe you're here this morning, and maybe all this stuff about knowing God personally and living for him passionately and finding purpose and knowing exactly what he's calling you to do, maybe it's something that you desire, but maybe it just seems so foreign. Like you don't even know how to grasp at it. It seems hard. Like what is even my first step in knowing you personally, God, and how do I even hear from you, or how do I even walk this out? For you to take that next step to know God personally, it's going to take trust. It's going to take faith to trust God. Okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. They, they say to read my Bible every day. They say to pray every day. So I'm just going to trust you and do it. Or maybe you're here this morning and you sense God's specific purpose for this season, but you don't see significance in it. Maybe you're like, no, I have, I have an understanding of what God's calling me to do, but I don't really like it. <laughs> like, it doesn't seem like it's really making a big difference. And if that's you this morning, then you've got to trust God too to follow his plan for your life. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're sensing God, what God's exactly what God's calling you to do, but you wish that he gave you a calling like so-and-so. God, I know that's probably a good reason for me to live, but can't you tell me to have his or her calling? That would be like really exciting. So we have to trust God that there's significance and there's purpose in the reason that we exist. Or maybe you're bored. 
Maybe you've been serving in the same place for a long time and maybe things just haven't shook up in a while and you've been faithful and you're just bored. Like, really, God? This is still my assignment? You gotta trust God to continue to be faithful. Or maybe you've known your purpose for a long time. Maybe you've been faithful for a long time doing what, exactly what God has called you to do and maybe you're not seeing the fruit yet. Or maybe you're not seeing the expansiveness of the fruit that you desire. Like you thought, man, I thought that I'd be able to help more people. I thought that I'd be able to make a bigger splash for you, God. And so we have to trust him. Regardless of where we are on the journey of following God and discovering purpose and walking in purpose, it's going to involve us trusting him along the way and not giving up. This morning we're talking about when purpose or calling can feel obscure, insignificant, out of reach, or maybe even really hard. This morning we're talking about an obscure Bible character who experienced what we just talked about. A calling that maybe didn't seem significant or it was hard and it felt out of reach and it just felt kind of obscure. This morning we're talking about a man named Her. And if you're taking notes this morning, the name of this message is Have You Heard of Her? H-U-R. Have you heard of her? We're going to lean into the story of her this morning. Locate how did he trust God in following God's path and God's plan and God's purpose for him, even when it didn't all make sense. Maybe it didn't feel super significant. It didn't feel like it was making a dent. Because like we said, all of our general purpose is to know God and to make him known. That general purpose fleshes out in a lot of different ways. So her, maybe you haven't heard of her. Maybe you have. Her was born and um, lived in the lifetime of Moses. So her was born into Egypt when the Jews were in slavery in Egypt. And um, her comes from a family of like powerhouse ministers. So her was actually Moses's nephew. So her's uncle was Moses, who did all these like great miraculous things for the Lord, right? Her's mom was Miriam, who is um, Moses's sister. And so I love I love getting into the Bible and seeing all the family dynamics because God works through families, right? And there's all these family dynamics when you read the Bible, and so you see the, the family of Moses. Moses was the baby of a family of three. Miriam was the oldest sister, then there was Aaron, and then there was Moses. And so Miriam, her's mom, was the sister that was right there at the Nile when Moses' mom put him in the Nile. The pharaoh of Egypt said he wanted to kill all of the babies, and so they held on to Moses for a while, and then they let him go in the Nile. And Miriam was there. I don't know how old she was, but she was there, and she saw her brother float away down the Nile River. And she chased after him. The scripture says she followed him to see where he was going to land. And he landed at the Pharaoh's house, and the Pharaoh's wife picked him up, and Miriam, hers mom, was there. And Miriam was a bold little girl and approached Pharaoh's wife and said, hey, I don't know if you need like a, a Jewish woman to nurse this baby, but I can go find somebody for you. And so the Pharaoh's wife said, yeah, you can do that. And so Miriam went and got her mom, who was able to nurse Moses in the palace while he was raising up. So Miriam, her's mom, was a bold 
woman. She was the first woman to be called a prophetess um, in the Old Testament. So his mom is a powerhouse for God. And then hers dad is Caleb. I don't know if you guys remember the story of Joshua and Caleb. Hers dad was one of the only two people that came back with a good report about the promised land. Um, and he was like 80 at that time. Joshua was the young kid, but, but Caleb was the older man who had vision for what God was doing. And so here's her. His uncle is Moses, who's like amazing. And then his mom and dad are like powerhouses for the kingdom of God in their time. And then here's her. God, what's my purpose? Where do I fit in to your call, to your purpose? So I don't know if you've ever heard of her. But whether we have heard of him or not doesn't change his value, right? Our popularity doesn't give value to our purpose. How many people know our name doesn't give value to our purpose? And that's a really good time to stop and just talk about this social media world we live in. Because this younger generation is, is, has ambitions to be um, influencers, <laughs> to be YouTube influencers. Like our kids don't watch Disney Channel anymore or not, they don't even watch Netflix or Disney Plus or anything, they watch YouTube channels. <laughs> because this next generation cares a lot about watching influencers and what people think about you. But God's saying, no, even if no one knows your name, even if you're not an influencer, even if you're not super popular, no one knows what you did, there's still value in what I'm calling you to do. God's purpose is not linked to us making a splash on social media or people knowing our name. The significance of our purpose is not found in the praises of man or being known by man. The significance of our purpose is being found in him, knowing him, him knowing what we're doing, and us fulfilling what he's called us to do. So this man, her, he was a faithful man, a man devoted to the Lord, but they had a, a kind of obscure purpose and calling. But he trusted God in the purpose for his life, regardless of what it looks like. So we've got three things that we need to take away from her's life that can encourage us to trust God, even when it just doesn't seem like it's a big deal. First, the first thing we can learn from her is this, that we trust God and value the calling, even when it doesn't seem exciting. Her was not the number one guy. He wasn't even the number two guy. Like, he wasn't the warrior on the field. He wasn't the teacher or the leader. He's best known for being a hand holder. Like, for those of you that serve on the Alive team on Sunday morning, you know, we've got planning center and everyone has a different role. Like, if, if her was part of the Alive team and he was in our planning center, it would say safety team, hand holder, her. <laughs> like, that's, that's the best thing that he's known for is lifting up Moses's arm. So the first mention of her is after the Israelites are miraculously delivered from Egypt and they've made their way across the Red Sea. God's doing all these miracles, manna from heaven, water from a rock. And then we see her pop up in the story. And we see him going places a lot with Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron were brothers. Moses was the leader. Aaron was the brother helper. And then her was like the tag-along nephew. And so we see this battle. Let me just read the scriptures. Check it out in Exodus 17, 8 through 13. 
Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and he fought with Amalek. Moses, Aaron, and Hur, this is the first place that we see him. Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up on the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that the Israelites prevailed. But when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, and so they took a stone and put it under him, and, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands. One on, one on one side and one on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And so Joshua defeated Amalek and, and his people with the edge of his sword. So that's it. This is the best thing that Hur's known for in Scripture, is that he held up Moses' hand. And it seems super insignificant, super obscure, like, God, really, this is my greatest moment of ministry? And yeah, it was essential because if her wasn't doing that, they would have lost the battle. And maybe if they lost the battle, they wouldn't have even entered the promised land. His role maybe didn't seem that significant, but it was everything to winning the battle for what God was doing. It wasn't super flashy. It wasn't super exciting. Maybe it didn't seem super important, but it was the most important thing that he could have done in that moment. It was God's calling and purpose for him in that moment. I want to give a shout out to the Alive team this morning. The Alive team is this group of faithful people that we serve on Sunday mornings to make known the message of Jesus. And, and media tech team, you're back there. And you could just say, I'm just back here pushing a button. Like hers, like I'm just here holding Moses' hand, drinking my coffee. Media tech team, you guys are pressing buttons, but it's not just pressing buttons. But because, because you showed up this morning, people online can be joining us this morning. Because you guys are pushing buttons, people are hearing the message in person and online. We have testimonies of people getting saved online, coming in person, getting baptized, joining the Alive team to help serve more people because you're pushing a button. It's a whole bunch more than pushing a button this morning. In the greeter team, you could just say, oh, I'm just here. I'm just a door holder, just here holding the door. Anybody could be holding the door, but I'm holding the door this morning. You're not just holding the door because we know stories of people who have come in and it was a last-ditch effort. God, I'm going to give you one more try, but I'm probably going to walk in and walk out and no one's going to notice me and it's my, my, what do you call them, ultimatum to you, God. But they came in and you being led by the Holy Spirit greeted them and smiled with them, acknowledged them, gave value to them. And because of that, they're walking with the Lord and serving the Lord today. You're not just a door holder. Or maybe those of you on the Alive Kids team, and on a bad day, you might be like, I'm just a baby holder. They just need me to hold babies. But it's more than that, because you're impacting this next generation for Christ. They're watching you. They're listening to what you're saying. You are making a tremendous impact from the babies all the way to the youth. But we've all been there before, right? God's asking you to do something that's not super exciting. It doesn't seem super important. Like he's telling you to keep being faithful, but, but you just want a new assignment. Or you're responsible for a task when you know there's more capacity within you. Or you feel like your role within the kingdom is replaceable. But I love this scripture in Zechariah 4.10. 
It says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I think from what we know from her, he was rejoicing too. He was so happy to have the honor and privilege to be a part of what God was doing in that moment. And God was rejoicing at his faithfulness to hold up Moses' hand. And oftentimes the task or the calling or the purpose that God has for us in a season, it's not even about that. But God's just doing a work inside the inside of us. Sometimes it's not even about what's happening physically, but what's happening within us. And God puts us through seasons of faithfulness. Hey, I, I want you to do this. Yeah, but really I'm just wanting you to prove faithfulness so that I can trust you in this next thing that I'm calling you to. In comparison, it's the thief of joy, right? Well, I wish I was doing what so-and-so was doing. They get to push buttons. I just get to hold a door. <laughs> you know, like we always think someone else has it better than what we get to do for the kingdom. And, you know, as a mom, you know, everyone has their things. But as moms, there's, there's all kinds of comparison that can happen. There's stay-at-home moms. There's work part-time moms. There's work full-time moms. There's public school moms. And there's homeschool moms. And there's all kinds of different kinds of moms when you're trying to figure out what God's calling you to do. And I remember when our kids were young and, um, you know, felt called to ministry for a while was serving in ministry for a long time. And then we started having kids, and all of a sudden, I remember in that season, I told Eric, I feel like all of my bags went from the marriage and ministry basket, like all of them are in the motherhood basket now, like overnight. Nothing else matters, just keeping this baby alive, right? And I remember it, it messed with me, like, God, am I still called to ministry, or am I called just to motherhood? And I remember at that season, I was working like 32 hours at the church, and we were doing college-age ministry and all this stuff, and um, I remember some days I would drop off Ella at preschool, and other days the babysitter would drop her off at preschool. And on the days that I would drop her off at preschool, I'd drop her off, and I'd see these really cool moms. Like, they showed up in their yoga pants, and they had their coffee in their hand, and they were going to work out, like, while their kid was in preschool. And I thought, oh, that kind of looks fun. Like, that lifestyle of being home full-time and wearing yoga pants everywhere, and... I kind of started to be like, God, am I supposed to do that? Honestly, honestly, Lord, I'd really like to stay home full time. I'd really like to do what they're doing. And, and it's an honorable thing to do, but it wasn't what I was called to do. But I remember distinctly, Eric and I had lots of different conversations during that season where I was like, am I supposed to put pause on ministry? Am I supposed to be home full time? Like, what is this all supposed to look like? And I remember one specific evening, Eric and I were having a conversation in bed and I was tearful and confused and you know, all the emotions of a new mom. And, like, I really, like, my mom heart really wanted to pause ministry and just be home, but I knew that that wasn't what I was supposed to do, so I was just struggling with it. So we ended the conversation, and nothing really became fruitful from the conversation, and i never forget, we say goodnight, kiss goodnight, and I rolled over on my side, and as soon as I rolled over on my side, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart in such a firm, authoritative, yet very kind way and said, Erica, stop kicking against the goats. And I was like, okay. And I'm like, I know that's in reference to a scripture, but I don't exactly know what you mean, God. <laughs> like, I forget what that means. And so I'm laying on my side and I Google, kicking against the goats, what does that mean? And the scripture is in reference to God, when God approached the apostle Paul and knocked him off his horse and called him into the ministry. And he told the Apostle Paul, stop kicking against the goads. Other translations 
say, you're only hurting yourself by fighting me. It's hard to hit against the goads. A goad is a sharp instrument used to direct and herd the cattle. Another translation says, you're kicking against the conviction of your heart that's trying to get you to go in the direction of me, Jesus. So God was saying, I've called you to ministry. Stop kicking against the direction that I have placed you. And so, you know, we feel called to ministry. We feel called to do what God's called us to do for his kingdom. But there's days when it's hard. Like you guys might think, oh, wow, you guys are making a big difference. You must love what you do. We do love what we do because we know we're called to it and it's energizing and there's a grace for it. But there's some days that it's hard and I, I still daydream sometimes. Like Eric could get a full-time job somewhere and I could stay home and go build a she shed outside and <laughs> just study. And I can still help people. I'll just write books to help people. I don't have to get in all of the dirt of shepherding. But we all have that moment in our life, right, where it's like, God, I know you've called me to this, but sometimes it gets hard and sometimes it feels obscure and sometimes it feels insignificant. And it's like, well, maybe there's something else that you've called me to do. But the only place of true fulfillment is, is in the place that God has called you to. Regardless of if it's exciting or you feel like it's significant or whatever, God, I want to know you and what are you calling me to do? And whatever you call me to do, I'm going to embrace it there's a great phrase, embrace it so God can grace it. I'm going to embrace it so God, you can grace it. And whether I see significance or not, I'm going to trust you that there is significance in this. Amen? Number two thing we can learn from her, we trust God and the value of our purpose even when no one praises it. The only other time we see her in Scripture vividly doing something is in Exodus 24. And... Um, this is when the, uh, the Israelites are in Mount Sinai and Moses keeps going up the mountain to have revelation from God. And Moses puts Aaron and her in charge. And we see this in Exodus 24, 14 through 15. Um, and he, Moses, said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and her are with you, uncle and nephew. If any man has difficulty, let him go to them. Then Moses went up the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. And this is the last scripture we have of her living that we know what he's doing. And so there's some speculation on what happened, but most Jewish tradition believes that it's during this time that the Israelites got restless and they, they built the golden calf for idol worship and all of that. And most Jewish historians believe that when they started trying to build the golden calf, her stood against it and said, no, we're not supposed to do this. Let's not do this. And that the Israelites killed her. And that that's why Aaron didn't step against it because then Moses came down the mountain and Aaron's there. We see in scripture and Aaron's there and there's this golden calf and Moses is like, what's going on? Most, most Jewish scholars believe it's because Aaron was afraid they were going to kill him too if he didn't stand against it. And so here we have her. He was a hand holder. He held up Moses's hand and he lived boldly regardless, lived boldly for the Lord regardless of how people took it. When you start going all in with your faith and following Jesus and his calling, it won't be popular to other people. When you start going all in in your faith, <clears throat> other people won't understand. Like, man, aren't you getting kind of extreme with this church stuff, people might say? Like, you can love God, but you don't have to be doing all that you're doing. And man, I respect, bro, I respect your faith, 
but it just doesn't fit in modern culture. As we follow God's plan for our life, it comes from a personal relationship with him, and not everyone's always going to be happy about it. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare or a trap, but whoever trusts the Lord shall be safe. We can see we're talking about trusting the Lord this morning. The opposite of trusting the Lord is fearing man or trying to be a people pleaser, trying to get people to be impressed by what you're doing. When it comes to following God's plan for our life, not everyone will understand or cheerlead us pursuing God. And when it comes down to it, we really have to decide, okay, am I living my life to please other people or to impress other people, or am I living my life to please God? If I'm living my life to please God, then I'm trusting him and I'm not fearing man. But if I'm fearing man, I can't, I'm not trusting God based on the scripture, right? The fear of man is a snare and it's a trap. And if you're always living your life to impress other people and please other people, you'll never fully walk out your purpose. But when we put our emphasis on pleasing God, it becomes wisdom. We see in Proverbs 9, 10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So we follow God's plan for our life. Her teaches us that we got to trust God even when it feels insignificant. We got to trust God even when other people aren't celebrating it. We live to please the Lord. <clears throat> the last thing we can learn from the life of her and following purpose is that we trust God in the fruit of our obedience, even if it comes after our lifetime. <clears throat> Most of the great men and women of faith <clears throat> didn't even get to experience or see the fruit of their obedience. It happened after their lifetime that really the purpose of their calling was really revealed in full. <clears throat> Same is true in the life of her. And can I just speak to the preschool and the elementary team one more time? Because I'll never forget the, the day that I gave my life to the Lord. It was in a kids ministry setting. I remember the room. I remember where I was sitting in the room. I remember we were in a circle. And I'll never, I'll never forget giving my life to the Lord and saying, Jesus, I love you and I want to follow you all the days of my life. I don't remember what the teacher looked like. I don't remember if it was a boy or a girl. I don't remember exactly what they said, but I know what Jesus did in my life in that moment. And I'm so glad that they showed up to serve that day. That teacher doesn't know what I'm doing now didn't see the fruit of him or her showing up to serve at that VBS or that Sunday school morning. But the fruit lives on from them showing up to serve. We don't always see the fruit of a life following after Christ. And so while we don't see her again in scripture doing things, we see his legacy that lived on. And so we see um, in Exodus, when it came time to build the tabernacle and to get ready to have a dwelling place for God on earth, who out of all the people were asked to craft the Ark of the Covenant, the home of the presence of God on earth? It was her's grandson. And most Bible scholars believe that he was chosen above all people because his grandfather didn't bow to idol worship in the wilderness. You see, um, you see in Exodus 31, 
this scripture about his grandson, Exodus 31, one through three. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, see, I have called, I have called by name Bezael, the son of Uri and the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom and an understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship. So Hur's grandson was filled with the Holy Spirit to be a craftsman for the tabernacle's altar. Such great legacy. This grandson was probably a kid when everything happened with his grandpa, but it left a mark on him. Left a mark that we don't serve idols, we don't worship idols, even if it means the taking of our life. And him, of all people, God filled with the Holy Spirit to craft the dwelling place of his presence on earth in the Old Testament. What a legacy. So worth it, right? So as we close, remember, our general purpose is to know God and to make him known. And the practical way that all this fleshes out is different. But regardless of what it looks like in every season, we are called to value it, embrace it, and steward it well. So what, are, what has God called you to in this season? Maybe you currently are or you're feeling a nudge to be a small group or a crew leader and you feel like that is a significant part of your kingdom purpose in this season is to make disciples and to build community here at Alive. Man, don't overlook the significance of it. You're impacting lives. You're building community. Life change is happening because you said yes. Maybe God has called you to be a stay-at-home mom and invest your life into raising your babies up in the Lord. Embrace it, value it, steward it well. Maybe God has called you to serve on the Alive team in any capacity, using your gifts, using your time for the building of his kingdom, the building of his church. Whatever you're doing, you're doing it unto the Lord. Embrace it. Recognize the significance. Trust God in it. Maybe God has called you to be an intercessor or operate in the gift of giving or participate in local outreaches or be a light on the PTO school board or intentionally build certain relationships to disciple and to mentor. Whatever it is that you sense is your kingdom purpose in this season, embrace it. Live full tilt at it, knowing that even if it doesn't look exciting, even if it looks really hard, even if people don't understand, if God has called you to it, there's purpose and significance in it, even if you don't see the fruit of it this side of heaven. So whatever it is, today we choose to trust God by embracing, embracing it even when it's not exciting, even when no one is celebrating our decision, even when we might not see the fruit this side of heaven. Because the only place of true fulfillment is smack dab in the middle of God's will his purpose for you. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. And God, we know that following you is going to involve trusting you. And so Lord, as we continue to lean into locating what's next, what's your purpose, what's the reason why I exist, when you start to download that, when you start to reveal that, Lord, give us courage and strength to trust you in it. Even if we wish it was a bigger responsibility, or even if it feels hard or obscure or insignificant or people are going to think we're crazy, Lord, we'll follow you and we'll trust you regardless of what it all looks like, regardless of what it will cost, regardless of how uncomfortable it might be. Lord, we choose to trust you and to follow you through it all. 
And in this attitude of prayer and worship, we never like to close service without giving an invitation. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus personally, that's the reason for, that's our primary purpose in existing is to receive the love of our creator and to actually know him personally. Jesus said, you don't get to the Father through a bunch of good deeds. We get to the Father through faith, just simply believing that he loves us, believing that he sent his son to die for us, believing that all of our good deeds are nothing but filthy rags, and it's only the blood of Jesus that cleanses us and paves the path to heaven for us. So with all eyes closed and head bowed, in a moment, we're just going to pray a prayer as a church family, just a consecration declaring that Jesus is our Lord. And if you've never prayed this prayer from your heart, I encourage you to join us. With all eyes closed and head bowed, if that's you and you want to pray that prayer for the first time, raise your hand boldly to the Lord and say, God, that's me. Amen. Church family, let's pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, I receive your love. And Lord, I want to know you more. And today I recommit to saying that I believe that you died for me, that you're coming back, and that you are my Lord. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To further connect with us at Alive, visit us at alivefamily.church. And remember, people matter and Jesus is alive.